Well, I'm excited to hear the word this morning, and we've brought one of our own this morning. Our pastors are away, so we've got our youth and young adults leader. I'm just patting so he can come out from the drum kit. <laughs> Please welcome Brendan Skinner to bring the word this morning. Fantastic. It's nice to be let out of the cage every now and then. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Fantastic work. David, if I can just get Minnie Me on stage with me, that'd be lovely. <coughs> Let's just pray as we come around the word. Thank you, Father, for a strong voice as I preach the word. Uh, thank you, Jesus, that uh, your spirit is here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're speaking to every person here this morning. You're going to touch every heart. We thank you that your word is true. It doesn't lie. It speaks to the core of our being, and we thank you there's gems of wisdom to be discovered in your word. And so we thank you, Jesus, that each one of us is going to uncover a gem here this morning. Amen. Fantastic. It's good to be in church, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Now, now turn to the person on the other side and say, I'm, I'm slightly less equally glad to be sitting next to you because I didn't choose you the first time, but still good. <laughs> I really stitched you up there, didn't I? We've been, uh, we've been talking about a series uh, about church community, and this is such a wonderful series to learn about how we can uh, be at one with another, with one another, and be close with one another, get intimate, and l- discover discover God together. But um, we've been talking about this scripture that's been mentioned quite a bit in Acts chapter two. It says, "All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper, and to prayer." A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And so as as we've been doing this series, I would read that scripture, and I love to get into the bits about exactly what we're going to do. What are we going to do as a how do we exactly how do we do church? But I believe that there is a hidden gem right in the middle of that scripture. Which, which I'm going to be preaching from this morning. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Right in between all of the practicalities of how they were doing church and what they were doing as a part of this new community, there is something which I like to call the God factor. And that is the power of God working through the church to bring many miracles and a deep sense of awe came over them all. Can I just give you a freebie right up front? God doesn't come where he's not honored. So, so their deep sense of awe is like a great precursor to the fact that many miraculous signs and wonders come. Sometimes people like to say, well, God, if you're, if you're real, make something happen. Can I tell you, he's not going to answer that prayer. Because if you're testing God, you're not coming from a position of reverence and awe. But it's in a position of reverence and awe where we lift him up, say, God, you are holy. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. That's the environment in which God comes. And that's, that's free. That's not even in my notes. I want to talk this morning about the God factor. This is not a, a singing reality show uh, where... 
you're you get Christians up on stage and Simon Cowell judges how holy you are. The God factor, like the X factor. I don't know. That would be a pretty bad show, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, this, the God factor is the power of God at work in our lives and at work in the church. And I believe that as we go through life, it is very easy to get used to things the way that they are. They're not necessarily the way they should be. They're not necessarily the way that we want them to be, but they become normal. They become our way of existing. And we get used to it and we accept things as normal. And in the middle of normal, it's very easy to think, well, where is God in all of this? And we lose sight of the God factor. And so I'm here to remind somebody this morning, don't look around and see only what is in your circumstances and have low expectations of the future. But look around and consider where is God in all of this? I believe that God is moving in my life. He is, he is working behind the scenes, pulling all things together. He's working in all things to bring his kingdom here on this earth and to plant heaven in each of our hearts. He's not just working secretly and subtly in the distance without us knowing. He actually wants us to be involved in His plans. And God is calling us to lift our eyes, to dream bigger, to see a future that is greater than what we have at the moment, and to believe God and move towards that future. Can anyone say amen? You know, I love big picture thinking. I love it. I can't get enough of big picture thinking. I love dreaming about the future. Kirsty loves to think in, uh, Kirsty's my wife, uh, she loves to think in, in details. She's all about the details and she loves it. And it wouldn't be uncommon for a conversation to happen something along these lines. <clears throat> We're driving along in the car. And I'll turn to Kirsty and say, have you ever thought about the fact that James, our son, may never get his driver's license? Because by the time he comes of age, it's possible and feasible that driverless cars will be so prevalent that actually there's no need for him to get a driver's license. And she'll say something like, can you just answer the question, please? And I'll be like, what was the question? And she said, which car are you going to take to work tomorrow? <laughs> That's how I got onto cars. <laughs> See, my danger is I love to get the big picture and then figure out, all right, how exactly are we going to get there? So let's plot out a strategy. Let's get some processes in place so that everything's moving smoothly. Figure out what are the mechanics of it and we'll get us to this big future. Uh, and, and the danger in that is that I would forget the intangible. I would forget the God factor. The God factor, which you cannot necessarily say, well, these are the exact mechanics of how God's going to work. Because God is God. And he's got his own plans going on. And sometimes you've got to change your mechanics and your processes to allow for the fact to look up and say, God, what are, what are you doing? Kirstie has a, has a different danger but leads to the same place. She'd be so focused on the details that she, she wouldn't see the bigger picture, the grander scheme of what is going on. Bless her. What a wonderful woman. She's the, uh, <coughs> she's the hottest wife. 
that I've ever had <coughs> so far. <laughs> I saw this really weird video during the week of like a, a preacher who was just in church service and everyone's laughing and they can't stop laughing. I was like, man, Holy Spirit does some weird things sometimes, doesn't he? And they laugh for like 20 minutes straight. And I thought, what a fascinating service to go to. What did they preach about? They didn't preach. No one talked. Every time everyone grabs that microphone, they just stand there and then start laughing. Bizarre. <coughs> anyway, <laughs> you see, I look at that scripture. Here's what happens to me is I think, great. Okay, everyone, this is how we're going to do church. Preaching, fellowship, prayer. Preaching, fellowship, prayer. That's what they did. That's what we should do. But I'll miss the God factor if I do that. Because a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. If you and I, if we do community really well, but we do it without the God factor, what use is that? When we tap into the God factor, He will breathe new life into every area of our being. He shifts our perspective to see things differently. He guides us into His great plan. And you will find that as you give time and attention to God, seeking out what is God doing in my life at the moment, He will open your eyes to supernatural answers to problems that you thought you needed to, to come up with a natural answer for. You will find that the more you trust in God, the less you want to do things your way in your own strength. Because doing things in God's strength is much, much easier. And you'll be able to withstand all kinds of hardship because God will show you the way. So I want to just zoom out from this scripture for a second so that we can get the big picture of what is going on. We're in the book of Acts, uh, which was traditionally called Acts of the Apostles. It's authored by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then continued on through to Acts. And uh, he starts it off in Acts 1 verse 1 like this. It says, In my first book, that being the Gospel of Luke, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Which is interesting because Luke finishes with Jesus dying and rising from the dead. So he's saying everything Jesus began to do and teach wasn't it kind of the whole story already. But that was just the beginning. If Luke was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, if Luke was about what Jesus began to do and preach, then it follows that this book, Acts, is what Jesus is going to continue to do and to teach. Really, the fact that it was called Acts of the Apostles, uh, it wasn't originally called that. That was our traditional name for it. But <clears throat> there's really only one consistent character that runs through the book, and it's not an apostle. It's Jesus and the Spirit. So maybe we should call it a more accurate name, Acts of Jesus and the Spirit, because that would lead us to see, I think, the God factor in what's happening. When you read the book of Acts, there's a lot of God doing stuff and a lot of the disciples and the apostles being like, let's try and do, whoa, God did that. Oh, God, can you help us out with this? Whoa, God did that. And so God is moving in a very powerful way. For us to just say, oh, this is all about what the apostles did, we're missing the God factor. <clears throat> so at the beginning of the book, Jesus is risen again, he's with the disciples, he's appeared to them, and he promises to send them the Holy Spirit when he goes away. And in verse 8, 
He sa- it says, but you will receive, this is Jesus talking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Get this, pay attention, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Earth. And earth, if there was a place called earth, they probably would have gone there as well. <clears throat> That's Jesus' promise to them. Holy Spirit is going to come. It's going to give them power to witness. They'll start in Jerusalem and they'll go out from there. He gets taken up to heaven. The disciples are waiting around for the Spirit. They're praying. Jesus promised us this Holy Spirit. We should, we should wait. We should do this. So then there's a, there's a festival, the Passover festival, and there's many foreign Israelites who have come to this place to celebrate, to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. Holy Spirit comes. It's like tongues of fire and, uh, and wind uh, over, the, over the disciples as they're speaking in tongues and as the Holy Spirit comes. Every, all the foreigners come and listen and hear and they can understand their own languages. It's an incredible miracle which also represents the Old Testament fire and pillar of cloud for those Old Testament kinos that are in the uh, congregation this morning. Any Old Testament kinos? No. That's fine. I think most of you just don't know what a kino is. Uh, <coughs> kinos are someone who's like ultra keen about something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Old Testament kino, you know, people get right into it. <coughs> so, so Holy Spirit's come and there's been this great miracle and Peter contextualizes it for the crowd. And he preaches to them and says, guys, what you need to realize is that Jesus was the Messiah that's been promised. And 3,000 people give their lives and become believers that day. So the church is doing pretty well. I don't know about you, but I would feel like, first of all, if 3,000 people rocked up and we preached and then they all gave their lives, the first thing I think is, flip, Loretta, do we have enough new Christians packs for that? And I'd be like, well, no, we're going to have to figure out a different process. But thank you, Jesus. And I'd be thinking, that's some significant growth in the church. Wouldn't you think? I'd be like, okay, so what, like, where would we go? We'd be like, well, we better go to Norwood Oval next week, I suppose, and figure out how to do that. <coughs> so many people have come to believe, and that's where we hit this scripture that we've been talking about. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals. So it's doing great. Some more people get added. There's about 5,000 people in the church. Everyone has all they need. There's a great sense of community. People are being healed. Does anyone feel like you're in a great community here at C3 North? So feel like we're going well, doing good. I'm comfortable. I'm good. They attract the attention of the temple leaders who are not happy. Peter and John get arrested. They're put in prison overnight and they're questioned. But they're freed. And they're told, you can go free. One little thing, just never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Just a small caveat to people who've just started the first church. Of course, Peter and John said, uh, of course, and then they just never talked about it again. And that was the end of the church. So not true, not true. (coughs) But what would you do if you spent the night in prison because someone arrested you uh, for your faith. You sp- you've spent the night in a prison cell. You've been told, if you, you're okay to go, but as long as you never speak about Jesus again, don't ever tell anyone 
about your faith again. Some of us, that wouldn't be a change. Uh, <clears throat> we just carry on going on as normal, not telling anyone about Jesus. But some of us, that would be a challenge for those of us who like to talk. But what would you do? Where do you run? Maybe it's not that specific scenario, but when, where do you run when things get hard or dangerous? And do you remember the God factor that's at work? Is God the first person that you turn to? Peter and John report back. <coughs> Everyone begins to pray. What do they pray for? Jesus, please get rid of the guards. No. Jesus, please help us to just be humble and stay quiet. No. Jesus, they pray. Give us courage to preach boldly. They've just been told you will be imprisoned, possibly killed, if you teach about the name of Jesus. Then they go away from there and say, right, we're going to pray. What are we going to pray for? Let's pray for courage. They're not saying, God, let the consequences go away. They say, in spite of the consequences, God, fill us with boldness and with courage to preach, even though we've been threatened. And it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. There's some God factor for you. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. I think sometimes some of us need to ask God for courage to face the circumstances we're in. <clears throat> so they're going well, preaching the Word with boldness. And some cheeky dude in the back goes, guys, we're in Jerusalem. Maybe we should start a second location. Have you considered starting a second location? And then the rest of the church says, yeah, that's a that is a really good idea because I'm pretty sure Jesus said something about that. So Nathan and Carmen should go and do that. Uh, <laughs> and we'll stay here because the church in Jerusalem is very good. And I've got friendships here. I'm comfortable here. So I wouldn't want to rock the boat too much. And then Nathan and Carmen are like, I actually also think it's a good idea that we start a second location. But I think Gary and Alice should be the people to go and start the second location. And then Gary and Alice are like, I agree, good idea. But Reuben and Lucy, I think, are really, I think God's calling them to do it. You know, because it's just that, like, we've got something really good going on here. You know, like, we're preaching boldly and Jesus is answering our prayers. We've got a great sense of community. I think Dylan and Natalie should be the, uh, they're it, I reckon. I think the anointing is definitely on them. And so they, they, they really, things are going well, but God has a different plan. And there's a guy called Stephen. He's basically a team leader. And some of the temple leaders lie about Stephen and they say, He's been blaspheming Moses and our God. So they take Stephen and they, they put him in prison and they begin to question him. And God would have answered the prayer from before because Stephen starts to preach boldly. He's talking to the religious leaders of the time who are against the Christian movement. And he says, let me show you something in Scripture. From the beginning of time, look at these prophets. This is God's plan 
throughout the earth. And at every stage, when the prophets come and God begins to move, it's the religious establishment that is pushing against them, that denies them, and that rejects them. And there is exactly the same thing happening now. With all the love in my heart, says Stephen, you are the religious establishment. Jesus is the Messiah. He has come to bring salvation to all mankind and you are standing in the way of what God is doing. And they're like, wow, yes, I see your point. They do not. They're not happy about what Stephen is preaching. And so they take Stephen and they take him out of the town. They take their coats off and lay them at the feet of a man named Saul. Why are they taking their coats off? Maybe because they're about to get hot. Maybe because they don't want to get blood on their coats. They pick up stones and they start hurling them at Stephen. Stephen is about to breathe his last breath. Let's, let's check out this scripture, verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him with rage. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. It is something when you are being accused all around, but the only place you look is up at God and at heaven. He saw Jesus standing in the place of honour at God's right hand and he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They don't want to hear what he's got to say. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul and they stoned him. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus. Receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Can you imagine one of our team leaders gets pulled up in prison and sometimes they're like, all right, let's go take him to Murray Bridge and we'll stone him. I don't know why Murray Bridge is kind of out of the city. <laughs> but somebody in the church has died. Not, not just a standard death. They've been murdered. They've been murdered because of their faith. It would be very easy in that circumstance to think, man, this is, this is too much. I don't know where is God in all of this. If you hear Stephen's story, God's right there in the middle of it. And Stephen's looking straight to God and knows that he can trust where he's going. But you might think, where is God in all of this? This looks too poor. This looks too bad. I'm in a terrible situation. This is not looking good at all. And yet, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul, who was one of the witnesses, and he agreed. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. You would think that that's impossible to turn around. But something's about to happen to Saul because of the God factor. Saul's about to encounter Jesus after persecuting Christians and become one of the most significant figures in the church today. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. 
And that and that that's the end of the story. The church ceased to exist, and we're a great club here this morning. I've made that joke twice now. It didn't even work the first time. I don't know. I did again. But things are looking bad, right? The interesting thing is, all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Let's just go back to the beginning for a second. The beginning of the story, Jesus promises, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God had caused the bad thing to happen. But you better believe that he will work through the poor situation to bring about his way better plans and purposes for the church and for that part of history. But you can better believe that he will do the same thing in your life. Maybe you're in a bad situation at the moment where you feel like things are going very badly for me and I cannot see where God is in this. I can't see how God is working in all of this. Can I tell you that the story is not over? That's not the end of the story because there is a God factor that is at work which is using every negative situation to turn it for good. He is, he is using every circumstance, every situation that looks bad in your life and He is using it to shape you and bring you out into a way better future because God had a plan. God has a plan and His plan is for people to come to know Him and to be raised to the fullness of life in Christ. And so watch what happens to the church. Meanwhile, this is verse 19, chapter 11. Meanwhile, the believers who'd been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the Word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to God. The next few chapters, the next chapters to the end of Acts are about how God doesn't just take them from those places, but he continues to spread the church all the way through to Rome, which is the biggest like civilization in the ancient world at that time. And it's there that he plants his word and his church. And Paul, who's, who was Saul and was killing Christians, has become a great leader in the church. There's a church now in Rome. There's churches all over the region. And here's what Paul writes in his letter to the Romans. 8 verse 28. And we know. Everybody's saying, we know. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Don't underestimate the God factor. He is working in your life in every circumstance, no matter how dark it may appear, to bring light out of the darkness and to bring you into the fullness of life. Can I ask you to stand with me here this morning? I'll get the band to come. <clears throat> <coughs> I 
Whatever it is that you face this morning, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you're going through something dark. Maybe you're not going through something dark. Maybe you have dreams for the future. You want to achieve something great like the, uh, like the first church did, and you're facing opposition. Maybe you need some fresh perspective on what's going on in your life. Let's never underestimate the God factor. Let's push in and believe God for more. Let's trust God that he has more for us because God says he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we might think or even imagine. That means he's got more for us than what we have at the moment. Let's trust God to work in the darkness. He says, count it all joy when you experience trials and tribulations. Let's trust God that he is providing for all that we need for now because he says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his glory and riches in Christ Jesus. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? If you're, if you're here and you have an area in your life where you feel like, man, I need the God factor at work in this. I want God to breathe his life over this. I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore. I just want, to, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven as if you're about to receive. I believe Holy Spirit's going to come and bring a fresh anointing on you this morning. He's going to breathe his power and his presence and his oil over you. Thank you, Jesus, right now. Your presence here in this place. May it begin to flood each of our hearts, God. Thank you, Father. Your presence is moving. We thank you that in every dark situation, there is hope. We thank you that in every dark situation, there is light. We thank you, Jesus, that you are working all things together for good, for those who love you and according to, according to your purpose. We thank you, Jesus, that you are providing for every need in your glory and riches in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that we can trust in you always. We can trust in you no matter what situation we're in no matter what circumstances face us. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray, come and breathe on this congregation. Breathe on every person who needs your oil, your fresh oil, to come and fill them. Thank you. Holy God. Why don't you just begin to lift your voices? Let's lift up God's holy name in this place. As we honor Him and as we glorify Him, I believe His presence is coming. Thank you, Jesus. Holy God. We lift up your name, God. We lift up your name in this place. We give you honor and glory. For you are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. You hold the whole world in your hand. The heaven and the earth are yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're working in every situation. Father, we ask for a fresh uprising of faith in every heart that's here this morning. Lift our eyes to see what can be, God. Lift our eyes to see the more that you have for us. Lift our eyes to see a new kind of normal that could our lives could be. 
Father, a new normal where your, your Spirit fills every area of our life, where we can call upon the power of heaven and it can shift situations immediately. Thank you, Father, for your power that is accessible to us through Christ Jesus. Thank you. He's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. We lift up your mighty name now, Jesus. Thank you, God, your presence in this place. Holy God. Holy God. I want to pray for people. If you, if you have uh, recently started a new connect group or if you have moved to a new connect group, I would love you to just lift your hands right where you are. Like in the last year, if you've been involved in a new connect group. And if, you, if you've moved to a new place, if you've moved to this city recently, if you've moved to this country recently, lift your hands to heaven. There's some kind of displacement that tends to happen when we're doing something new. But I believe that God is lifting people's eyes here this morning to see the greater purpose, the greater plan that is at work in all that He's doing. So Heavenly Father, right now, to every person who has stepped out boldly and been part of your plan, I thank you, Jesus, that you're lifting their eyes to be encouraged, not discouraged, that your Spirit would sustain them, God. I thank you there's fresh faith coming to those people here in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that your Spirit, as it fills us, God, as it fills us, that we would we would see bigger things, that we would see greater things. We would see the future. We would see that you are working in every circumstance. Holy God. Thank you, Jesus. Fantastic. The last people I want to pray for uh, is, is if you are seeking permanent residency in this country, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have plans and purposes for every one of us. We know, God, that sometimes these kinds of things can be a long and difficult wait, and we don't know where we stand. But Father, we pray that your Spirit would be the Spirit that sustains us, that your Spirit would be the one that holds us, your Spirit would be the one that encourages us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have set out a place for us. You've set out a home for us, a place where we can call home. And so we pray for favour over every person who's seeking permanent residency here. And we thank you, Jesus, that we can put our faith and our trust in you. Mighty God, thank you, Father. Chris Yang, can you just come out? Chris, can you come stand here, please? Why don't you guys just lift your arms out to Chris? Chris, your family, you're, you're seeking permanent residency, aren't you? And you've been waiting a long time. And I believe that God has searched your heart and he's seen your heart and he says, Chris, I'm really happy with what I see. Why don't you just lift your hands to heaven? Thank you, Jesus, for this incredible Man, we thank you for his patience, for his endurance. Chris, I see that the weight that you carry is not your own weight. It is a weight that is the burden of many other people also. Because the, 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 the things that you are going to have to walk through, especially on this journey to get permanent residency, will be an example to many other people. And that you, it wouldn't, you wouldn't help other people by saying, these are the forms you fill out. You would help 
people by saying, this is the God who sustained me through every circumstance. This is the God who breathes life into my being. This is the God who gives me patience and endurance and enables me to go through whatever it is that He's got for me. And so Father, I pray right here this morning that You would fill Him right now in Jesus' Name. Touch Him with Your Spirit. A fresh anointing, Father. Fill Him right now. May Your presence fill Him to be patient, to be kind as He waits. And we thank You, Jesus, that His faith would unlock something, circumstances in the lives of many other people in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you. We're going to do one last thing before we close. Would you close your eyes for me? I've got to ask the question. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to pray a prayer with you to ask Him into your heart. Maybe that prayer would be for the very first time or maybe you've done that in the past or you've walked with Him in the past but you've walked away and you want to come back this morning. I want to pray for people who need to ask Jesus to come into their hearts. So if, you, if that's you here this morning, I'm going to do, ask you to lift your hand up in just a second and I'll acknowledge that, see that, we'll pray together. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, but it's, it's important that we make that declaration, God, I'm inviting you in this morning. So if that's you here this morning, if you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, to follow Him, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? Fantastic. So good. That's something we got to do, hey. We don't want to let any service go by without giving people the opportunity to meet Jesus. He's so good. Fantastic. Church, remember the God factor this week.